Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a privilege and honor to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm thankful that there's a, an allotted time and an allotted place that we can come together and worship the Lord today. We're going to the book of Psalms this morning, chapter 139. If you will join me there in your Bibles, if you're a guest in this house today, we say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us. We certainly don't take it for granted. And my prayer from early this morning has been that, you know, he's a God that can speak on individual levels. And my prayer earlier this morning has been that on an individual level that he would speak to, to everyone in the house. And I ask the Lord today to help me just get out of my heart and put it in my mouth. What's in my heart, I want him to put it in my mouth. Amen. Psalm 139, we're going to read verse 1 through 7. And then if you will move down to verse 14 with me in your Bibles. 139 and 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, that thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And if you will move with me to verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I just want to extract this morning, if I may, one phrase from uh, the 14th verse. And that phrase is fearfully and wonderfully made. And for my subject or title this morning, and you know, it's, it's, sometimes you want to have a catchy title or a catchy phrase. I, I don't believe that Paul or Peter or John had titles. I believe they just preached the Word of God. Um, but in this modern age, we and, and I'm for titles because I believe that sometimes that things can be spoken in a message and you can't always uh, remember everything about the message, but the title seems to jump out and, and catch your attention and perhaps on the website it's easier to locate what you want because of a title. So this morning, if I may, we'll just title this Wonderfully and Fearfully Made. And if you'll notice, I have... David said fearfully and wonderfully, but I'm going to reverse those two words this morning in the order in which they appear in the scripture and, and speak on wonderfully first, and I just hope we can make sense of it at the conclusion. Lord, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost that we have already felt in this place. 
God, I'm asking you to help us clear our mind and our heart. Whatever may be a hindrance to us today, Lord, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ and ask that you speak into our life. I'm asking that you anoint these lips of clay, God, and just help me to speak what's in my heart and, and, and press forward in this truth, God. We thank you for the privilege to be here. In the name of Jesus, before you see seated, turn to your neighbor and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise the Lord. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the word that is translated wonderfully is that verse of Scripture. It comes from a Hebrew word which means to be uniquely distinguished or set apart. The implication is to show forth something marvelous. And when, when you and I look at ourselves today, we may not be very impressed with ourselves. Perhaps this morning, if you was like me, when you got up and began to, to get ready for today, today's service and you looked in the mirror, what I seen looking back well, was, wasn't much to account for. Um, what I seen returning back to me, I was, to be honest with you, a little bit disappointed in. Because in our eyes, sometimes we don't see the uniqueness that God has placed upon us. You and I are a constant demonstration of the genius of God. We are marvelous creatures, and we can never forget, and we've always got to remind ourselves and understand that we are God-formed, God-breathed, and we did not evolve. We were made here. Now, I know there are perhaps certain religions and a certain group of people that be believe that they used to swing from trees, but I did not. My God made me. He formed me. Matter of fact... Genesis 2 and 7 tells us, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So here I am today, and here you are today, and, and we're not here by accident, perhaps. I, I say this respectfully, but perhaps to your mother and the father, you were accidents. You were not planned. You were really not intended to be here, but I am made by the Lord. I am no accident. He breathed into me. He formed me. I am God-ordained, and David said, I am marvelous. You know, I find it interesting in, in the beginning of the word of God in Genesis, God said, let there be. You know, he just said, let there be. And it was the spoken word that, that would implicate things. And, and I find it really, really impressive that when it come down to, to verse 7 in chapter 2, Brother Gibson, that he said, he previously said, let us make man in our image. But the word of God says that he formed. It, it took an act. And just allow me, if you will, this morning, in my mind, I see God stooped over, down, forming. He's working at this. There's intent. There's purpose in what he's trying to do. And, and this is a poor illustration, but it's the only one that comes to mind. Sometimes the Adrian will let me help him with his cows. And if you don't know, he's in the show business, so he's trying to get the best of the best. You may have to help me here. I may get some of it wrong. He's trying to get the best of the best to make it into that show ring. The particular breed that he shows, Brahmin cattle, they're not really, their bone structure, the way they're put together, they don't really, they have difficulty giving birth because of the calf, because of the way they are. Um, they just have real trouble. So you can take the 
embryo, and I'm not here today to debate science. This is just an illustration. You can take the embryo from this grand champion mother, and then you can take a collection from this grand champion bull, and you can place them two together, and you can find a old black Angus cow that just is so fat and she kind of waddles around in the field and ain't much to look at and she couldn't even make it in a show ring if she wanted to. And it's so neat to look at as time passes by and you go to the shop every morning and they're out in that field and all of a sudden there's that old black mama cow and there's a little old white Brahmin baby. And it was with purpose and intent. Some things had to be taken from here and some things had to be taken from there. And I believe that on that day God knelt down and he said, I don't, I don't need that, Brother Rayleigh. I'm going to brush that aside. But I need this and this and this. And God purposely and intentfully placed man together. And I stand here today and I tell you that it blows my mind when I think about all that God did for me. And for you, there are 263 bones right where they should be. Everyone to accomplish a purpose. 640 muscles in my bottle tied with tendons and sinews. And, and there's 970 miles of veins and arteries that carry the blood where it needs to go and brings it all back again. Not, not 970 feet, not 970 yards, but 970 miles that God strategically placed everyone and he purposed it where it needed to go. Today my lungs will inhale 2,400 gallons of air. In one year's time my lungs will process 876 gallons of air. In my lifetime my lungs will breathe in and out 60 million gallons of air. My heart today will beat in the next hour, 4,200 times. In the course of this whole day, it's going to beat over 100,000 times. In the course of this year, it'll beat 37 million times. And should the Lord tarry for my life, it will beat over 3 billion times. I'm wonderfully made. I'm an incredible creature. My heart... My heart in this one day will pump 12 tons of blood. In my lifetime, my heart will pump enough blood to fill the Empire State Building. I have in my brain, you have in your brain, enough electrical circuitry to process the switchboards of 10 New York cities. I, I, I'm wonderfully, I'm wonderfully made. God, God invested so much in my creation, and not just in his creative genius, you understand, see, he's omniscient. He, the Bible says he declared the end from the beginning. He, he, he knows all, he sees all. So that day, way back yonder in the, in the Garden of Eden, when he bent over and he was working on this strategic, this strategic form that he was placing, he knew the end from the beginning. He knew what was going to transpire. He knew that man would fail and fall. He knew he could see ahead and see that he was going to have to ungod himself, step off a throne, take on this fleshly body. He knew everything that would come against him. He, he seen the cross that he would have to endure. Yet he said, do I do this or not? And he breathed life into Adam. In spite of all this, God, God wanted a relationship with me. Me. He wanted a relationship with me and you and, and he says, I'm going to do this anyway, knowing, knowing what the outcome would be. Then he put into this creature such unique mental and emotional capacities. I am the only creation that God made to laugh. I'm the only one that he made to cry. 
I'm the only one that he made to love. And this is not a a statement of of boast this morning, but I'm not talking about the uniqueness of all of humanity. I'm talking about me. I'm special to God. You're you're special to God this morning. I'm one of a kind. I'm, I'm wonderfully made. There are billions and billions of fingers in this world today that has been, that are here today and that will be here tomorrow. All of them unique. There, there's only one print like this on the end of this finger that has ever been and ever will be. There will never be another one like this. I'm unique and I'm special to God. He, he, he made me. I, I'm wonderfully, wonderfully made. Best of all. Best of all, Jesus knows me personally. Matthew 10 and 30 says, he, He's numbered the hairs on my head. Now for some of us, He had to work harder than others. There's not many to number on some heads, but that just gives Him more time to spend somewhere else with you. Matthew 6 and 32 says, He knows everything I have need of. I, I, I'm special to God. And the thing that is more marvelous than anything, John said in 6 and 44, no man can come to me except by the Spirit. Except the Father which have sent me draw him. I stand here today redeemed from sin. I've repented. I've been baptized. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And this did not happen by chance. This was an act of a sovereign God. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think I'm going to get my life right and go to church. While those thoughts may have been on my mind, God the whole time was at work with a plan. He was moving and he was manipulating and he was working things out in my life. And it's the Spirit of God that draws us unknowingly to you and I. It's the hand of God that moves He extends and he waits on us. Listen to me this morning. It is so important, whether you're in this house filled with the Holy Ghost today or if you're not, it's so important not to resist, if I may use this word, the wooing or the drawing of the Holy Ghost. We don't determine the day of our healing. We don't determine the, the, the day of our victory over a particular trial. We don't determine the day of our salvation. It's an act of God and it's by invitation only. Don't, don't say I'll come when I get ready for my healing. Don't, don't say I don't, I don't feel like receiving victory over this today or I don't feel like today's not the day to get the Holy Ghost. Don't say I'll come when I get ready because when you get ready, you may not be invited. God, God may not be drawn. And when the Spirit moves, we've got to move. The waters was troubled, Brother Rayleigh, and they had to move. Let me pause. And having said that, let me say this about our young people since they're they're not in here. I, I love our young people, and I pray for our young people. And as a church, when we see them in these altars, their hearts are tender. Things are transpiring and take a, and taking place that will last a lifetime may not be your child. And I understand everybody can't, can't huddle around and pray, but oh, for the sake of the Lord, from where you stand or sit, stretch forth your prayers to these young people. To, let, let me tell you something. You have no idea when they step out of these doors and furthermore when they strap that backpack on and tote that lunchbox and walk out of your house They have no help but the Holy Ghost. You say, not my child. 
I've, I've trained them up. They know what's right and wrong. That may be, but they have no hope of help but the Holy Ghost. When I was a young man growing up, even the world could help us live for God a little bit. They still taught in school then prayer. They still talked about premarital relationships and how that was wrong. They still talked about what constitutes a marriage is a man and a woman. But these young people today are living in something that we've never faced. And the only thing that can help them is the Holy Ghost. And we've got to support them and lift them up. We can't. Praise the Lord. We can't judge and, 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 and point fingers. So what? So what if they stumble and fail? You and I do. We stumble and fall. You're, you're not righteous. We're not righteous because we stand up. We're righteous because when we fall, we get back up. God has, God has invested so much into me. David said, I'm wonderfully made, but, but he also said, I'm fearfully made. So many times in the Word of God, you see the phrase, the fear of the Lord, the, the fear of the Lord. And, and this is really, in most cases, talking about reverence or awe. It's not talking about being afraid or, or scared of God. But I, I did a little research, and in this particular case, that's exactly what David was talking about. He said, when he said, I'm fearfully made, it comes from a word which means to frighten, and it speaks of dread. And David said, there's, there's, there's not only a wonderful part to me, into my creation, but there's a fearful part. There, there's something I'm scared of. There's something I'm afraid of. I am the only creature. You are the only creature that God ever give a conscience. All others operate by instinct. They act on personal survival. They recognize no moral code. However, you and I act by deliberation. I've got a thought process. There's some there's some things I've got to do. There's some choices I've got to make. And the product of my choices that I make is how my outcome will be determined. Just as we're here today, just as God knelt down over that lump of clay, as I've already stated, He made a choice. He said, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to breathe life into this knowing that I'm going to walk dusty streets, knowing that they're going to spit on me, knowing that they're going to pluck my beard, knowing that they're going to beat me nearly to death, knowing that they will drive stakes in my hands and my feet and put me upon a cross and pierce my side, knowing this. He loved me enough to go ahead and breathe life. And man didn't just become a living body, but become a living soul. And it's that soul that gives us the ability to make choices. Proverbs 20 and 18 says every purpose, not some of them, not part of them, but every purpose is established by counsel. Every purpose is established through a thought process. Now the frightening thing is, is that most of the time the counsel that I heed to or I listening to is my own. As a matter of fact, we all operate according to a plan. We, you know, some people think that life is just unfolding to them. Jerry, I'm going to just live life how it comes at me. That is not so. 
Everything is designed by purpose and plan. I'm here today because I plan to be here. I'm living for God because I chose to live for God. I'm in a relationship with him because I choose. If you don't make a plan to succeed, I'm not planning anything. Well, you just did. Because if you do not make a plan to succeed in your walk with God, you are making a plan to fail. One way or another, you're making a decision. There's an immortal part of me. It's, it's the real me. This, this red-faced, peppered, gray hair man that you see standing before you today, is, it, this is not really me. See, God formed me as someone that is akin to him in his image He designed me to have a relationship with me. He designed a creature that's going to live on and on and on forever. This body will will rot away. It'll be gone. But this living soul, this living soul will spend an eternity. He blew into me the spirit, the breath of life. And I became not just a, a man that was living, but I am a living, breathing soul. You know, sometimes I... I think that we've lost a message in Pentecost because, see, this soul will have to spend an eternity somewhere. Somewhere. This, this, for us men in the house, I think the average age right now is somewhere around 77 or 78. I got 77 years to get this right, Brother Donnie. Now, at 13, that sounded like a long, long time. But at 43, my life's half over. I've got just a short time to get this right because I'm spending forever, forever somewhere. Some say, well, we don't like to talk about things like this. And that's what I'm referring to about a lost message in Pentecost. We are losing. We got to be careful. Because we're losing the message about the destiny of the soul. We, we want a feel-good message. You know, we have, and don't misunderstand me this morning, we have marriage seminars that we, we, we've had here, and I'm for that. I'm for that. I'm for, I want to be a better husband. We have financial things that we can, seminars that we can train in, and books and from Pentecostal publishers, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Bible instructs us to be good stewards. We have all kind of conferences and, and seminars and, and things to help us be successful in life. And that is a must. I'm for that. But however, in doing that, we cannot, we cannot lose the message of the fact that this world is not my home. This world is... It's not my home. We've lost the message. We're losing the message about the destiny of the soul. We don't preach enough about heaven and we sure don't preach enough about hell. Well, we don't want to talk about hell because it scares people. Well, hello. It was designed. Jesus Jesus tried to scare them. He told them how fearful and awful hell would be. Traveling down 19, going into Chiefland, and usually there's a big billboard that has a, a Christian message on it. I noticed the other day it said, Hell. And, and, and a few little periods, and it says, I'd forgot about that. We, we don't want to talk about hell anymore. I, I, I 
love to hear my Uncle Danny and some of these others tell stories about preachers that preach messages right here on this ground. Messages, preachers that preached hell so hot you could smell smoke in the house. Preachers that preach so much about hell and so hard about hell you were scared to go home because you was afraid the Lord was going to come back and you didn't want to miss it. We can't forget about the destiny of the soul. I love this life. God's been good to me. I love living. This is a good life. But I don't want to forget what my purpose is in this life. I, I don't want to let him slip too far away because when this short thing's over, I'm going somewhere and I, I don't want to burn in hell forever. I, I, I don't want to spend an eternity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Romans 6 and 23 said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, you know what he's saying there? He's saying that you, you can earn hell. You want to go to hell? Just do wrong. You can earn it. But you can't earn heaven. All you have to do to go to hell is make you, if, if anybody wants to go to hell, it's very simple. Make one choice. Not to go to heaven. Make, make one choice and you, you, you'll find yourself. But to go to heaven, you you got to choose. you got to choose Jesus Christ. And the fearful part uh, and something that is so frightening is that so many people in the world, when you confront them with the thought of a heaven or a hell, they say, well, I, I'm living my life right now. Maybe when I retire or maybe further down the road, I'll worry about my salvation, but I'm not going to make that choice. Well, I'm sorry. You already did. You made a choice not to live for God when you choose not to come into his presence. There's a, I, you know, I used to be, I don't want to use the word trouble, but you know, hell, you, you get to thinking about hell and it's a little disturbing because we all know good people. I know a lot of good people that doesn't live for the Lord. I, they may even contribute to the church and and do great things in the community, but they're not living for God. They haven't followed the plan of salvation and it's, it's somewhat, it's not somewhat, it is sad. Because Jesus said in John 3 and 5, except the man be born of water and spirit, he cannot. Now, I don't know what it means for some people, cannot, but when Mama used to tell me, you cannot do that. That's exactly what it meant. And try it and see what the consequences was. So if you... Don't follow the plan that Jesus has laid out for us. You cannot. But people, people want to disregard that. And, and I heard a preacher the other day, I, I was listening to some stuff, and he said, that's, we kind of, we got to love souls, and that's our purpose. But Paul went to a place, Brother Gibson, the Lord told him to knock the dust off. We, we've got a responsibility to go and do what the Word of God commands us, and it's not for us we got to chill out and quit worrying about people we can't do nothing about. There's people that's hungry. We pass them and they are, they see a difference in us and they're begging us. Say something to me. Help me in some way. And that's why I talk about the Spirit. we got to stay sensitive to the Spirit. We've got into this this idea that you can only be filled with the Holy Ghost here. 
I, I, I want to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost and tractor supply. I, I, I want to see somebody's life change down the aisle of Publix. And it can happen if we'll let God speak to us and use us. Here I am today. I have a plan. I've decided, decided to follow Jesus. That's why the prophet said in Deuteronomy 30 and 15, he said, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. What he's saying there is, I've put this day here. You're going to live this day. Every choice you make, every action you make today, I'm going to judge this. I'm I'm making a record of it, and I'm going to judge you against this day. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. That's why Joshua said in 24 and 15, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, so be it. But you're going to make a choice today of whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your father uh, who served on the other side or the gods of the Amorites in this land, whose land you dwell. But as for me in my house, it's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. It's a made-up mind that it's my choice, it's deliberate, it's on purpose, and sometimes that part can be a little fearful. One of the most revealing moments to me in the Bible is when they bring Jesus into Pilate. And Pilate is examining Jesus and he's interviewing Jesus, if you you will. And and Pilate, it was a custom then to release a, a criminal or a prisoner in those days. And and Pilate is dealing with Jesus, so he turns to the people and says, "What? I can release somebody. What do you want? You want Jesus, or you want Barabbas, or you know?" And they cry for Barabbas and, and and crucify Jesus. And Pilate makes this implication as if he's washing his hands that he's got nothing to do with this. And I understand today that God had a perfect plan and all this was by design. But Pilate had everything to do with this because he made a choice. He made a choice that day. He had the power and the authority to change that. Now, again, I know that God had an ordained plan. Pilate said, who do you want me to release? So he's asking. He's letting somebody influence him. He he made the decision, but he, he let somebody persuade him. It's so foolish. It's so foolish to be intimidated by the crowd or or let the proud pressure us. In that break room or around that water cooler, it's, it's foolish if you stand there and listen to that garbage and allow someone to make a choice for you because you want to fit in or do you you don't want to stand out because you remove yourself. Well, that's no big deal, Jerry. Oh, yes, it is. He said, I'm taking a record of every choice, every action. It matters. It really matters, the choices. I, I, I don't want others. I don't want others to pressure me into making a bad choice. I, I, I'm one of a kind. God has put so much effort into me, and he's put so much thought into it. But as much as thought and as much as effort as he's put into making me, he's put that much more in my eternity in my destiny. And I don't want to allow others to pressure me into making bad choices 
or bad decisions. If we could call back in time, Pilate, and we could say, don't do that, Pilate. Don't, don't be pressured by the crowd. You have the authority to, to make a good decision here, but, but we can't go backwards. But the neat thing about life is, is we can call forward. I, I'm here today doing that. That's my purpose this morning is to, is to call forward. It's kind of like the rich man who said, if you could just send Lazarus to tell my, tell my brothers. He said, I'm going to do the next best thing. He said, I'm going to send preachers. I'm going to send a godly congregation, godly people, good people. He said, they're going to tell you. They'll testify. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He said, We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, what the writer is referring to there are, there are there are heroes, there are patriarchs of the faith who have went on, who have, if I may say, set a benchmark that we can look to. If you're struggling, if you're stumbling, there's a place we can look to. I look around here today, and I say this respectfully, but I see gray-headed people that I, I, I admire. Sister Rosalie, Sister Yavane, Sister Barbara, so many that I see this mark. And sometimes when I'm weary or weak, Brother Junior, I can look to that mark and I can say that's where I need to be. I, I want people in my life that can help me attain the goal I'm, I'm trying to reach. I, got a, I don't mean to embarrass her this morning, but I got a grandmother who, who set some mark for me that I try to strive for and I try to reach. I can re remember as a young man, us youngins playing in the yard and her in her ceramic house and she'd be working on her ceramics and she would go by the window, whatever we might have been doing, playing football or whatever. You could hear Granny even doing her ceramics, praying. I can remember prayers, Brother Junior, like, God, I want to be right. I want you to use me. Several Last year when my grandfather passed, I spent a lot of time, stayed at nights with him, helping my grandfather. I slept on the couch. My grandmother would go to bed, and I could hear her at 87 years old, Brother Junior. God, use me. I want to be right. We got to have people. To lead us to a place. I say in this house today, if you're over 70 and you feel like that there's nothing left for you to do in the kingdom, you have so made a mistake. We need you now. We need you now more than ever. People are falling to the left, falling to the right. We need some we can look to and say, they made it in spite in spite of what they endured, in spite of what they suffered. So I can make it. I can make it. We're here and we're so wonderfully made. But again, there is this incredible fearful part of this because I'm deliberating here today 
I'm making choices today. I'm making decisions. Jerry, I've done made the choice. I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and all. Thank God for it, but we're making choices every day. There's things that we can attain in this service right here. There's things that's going on in our life that we need the help of the Lord for, and we will make a decision when the Spirit of God woos us or draws us. We'll say, not today. And we will walk back out filled with the Holy Ghost, yeah. But battling what you come in here with still, yes. Because we made a decision not to submit to the Spirit of God. I, I, I want to make the right decision. Ecclesiastes 11 and 9 says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou, here it is again, know thou for all that you're going to do, God's going to judge you. He said, these things God will bring thee into judgment. Walk in your youth, do all you want to do, but know every day you're being judged for it. Can I tell you this morning, I, I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to the coming of the Lord. I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I am persuaded. I love this is a good life. This is a good life, but nothing would make me happier than at the close of this service, however he chooses, if he splits this roof apart, nothing would make me happier than to see us called up to heaven. And that may not happen. So everything I do today is going to matter. Everything I do this week is going to matter until that day comes. I'm, I'm going to be judged for it. I choose. It's a choice. And I choose heaven. And I'm here today by invitation only. And furthermore, I did not deserve it. I did not deserve this, Brother Gibson. I'm a, I was a no account, no good for nothing. And my God, he reached down at the bottom. So undeserving. So undeserving. I choose to live for Jesus. Nobody forces me. And sometimes that can be scary because we all have that choice and we all can make the decision. But it's about a made-up mind. And I choose to live for God. You know, the, the fearful part of that choice is that choice makes all the difference in the world. Whether you choose to walk with God or not, it makes, makes all the difference in the world. Romans 9 and 13, and if, if you look at this scripture, it's a little bit disturbing because it, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, Brother Riley, that sounds a, a little bit arbitrary, and the God I serve is not arbitrary. So, so how, can, how could he hate Esau? How could he hate Esau? I, 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 I've done some studying and done some reading and what I found out from people that's a lot smarter than me that if the Bible were being translated today, that scripture would not read, Jacob, have I loved, Esau, have I hated. But in our words, it would say, Jacob was lovable, but Esau was hateful. God said, it wasn't my choice. It was their choice. I love Jacob because he let me love him. Esau was hateful. I couldn't love him. And, and you know what we've got to guard against, ladies and gentlemen? You can come into this house every time the doors is open and allow people.
bitterness and hatefulness to get into our heart. And Brother Gibson, he can't love that. He can't love that. He, he, God will not love that. We, I'm wonderfully made. Oh, I'm, I'm wonderfully made. And I, I may not look like much to you this morning, but, but I'm an incredible human being. But I'm also fearfully made. Nobody, nobody can make me be saved. That fearful part that David was referring to is about choices. Brother Boyd can set rules. He can have guidelines and, and you can sneak around behind uh, the closet and, and live however you want to and, and nobody will ever know the difference because I assure you he's got way more to do than follow us around to work. But it's about choices and nobody, nobody, you've got to choose to be saved. To be saved, to face salvation is a wonderful thing but it's also an unbelievable, fearful thing. Because I've got to deliberate. I've got to choose. I found the runway I'm about to land if our musicians would come. First Peter 2 and 7 says, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. You, you know what? You know what makes God so awesome to me personally? I, I choose to make him awesome. I, I chose that. You know what makes the will of God so important in my life? Because I choose the will of God. I'm not where I want to be, but I, I'm, I choose it. I want to be where God wants me to be. You know why this church means everything to me and this congregation means everything and this is my treasure here on earth? I choose it. I choose it to be everything to me. He said, unto you, unto you, unto you, to, to every one of us. He said, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Choose you this day whom you will serve. We've got to make a choice. As Jesus came into the house, there's a lot of hustle, a lot of, a lot of movement going on, and Martha was so caught up in it. She got mad with Mary. And Jesus said, Mary hath chosen a good part. It wasn't that the other things wasn't important that was going on, Brother Gibson, but at that moment, I know life is going on. And we've got to face it when we walk out of here. But at this moment, for this hour and a half or two hours, make a choice. Mary chose the good part. I promise you, it'll all be there to deal with when we go back out there. But for now, make a choice. Come into this house, offer up praise and adoration to Him, and watch how He pours and pours and pours back on us. There, there comes a time in life where you either do or you don't. It's just that simple. Rich young ruler came to Jesus. He said, Master, what do I got to do to get this eternal life? Jesus laid out all the commandments, laid out everything he had to do. He said, well, I've done that from my youth, Brother Allen. I've been doing that a long time. 
What a testimony. I mean, this is an, a, a fine man. He could, he could be a deacon in the church. Good man. But there was that, that fearful part. Jesus said, you're lacking something. You, you, you've got to choose. Got to make a decision here. Well, Jerry, I followed the rules. I've done everything that is supposed to be done. Well, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble this morning. But you will not behave your way into heaven. Be as good as you want to be. Be as good as you want to be, but you can't behave your way in heaven. Hear me what I'm saying. I'm not saying the rules are not important, but service, service never constitutes a claim to Christianity. Service never constitutes a claim to Christianity. Attend all the services, go to all the outreaches, uh, give faithfully to the offering, bake all the pies. Service never constitutes a claim to Christianity. And I'll tell you today, and I don't mean this to be harsh, there is people that will spend eternity in hell that never missed a church service. But they will spend an eternity in hell. The only thing that constitutes a claim, a real claim, to Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is by invitation only, and that comes from a choice. It's one thing that you're lacking. You've you got to sell everything, give it to the poor, take up the cross, follow me, and you're going to have treasure in the heaven. And the Bible makes a profound statement. It says he went away sorrowful. He didn't go away mad. He didn't go away upset. But Brother Rayleigh, I believe he went away slumped over, discouraged, because he knew he had made a choice. He had, he had life and life more abundantly staring him in the face. And he turned and walked away, and for that he was sorrowful. As you stand across the house today and as our mu musicians begin to play, I am wonderfully made. I, I am so special to God. There, there, there's not another creature ever been made like me. I'm wonderful. I'm special to Him. But my question to us today, is God special to me? Is God special to you? Does your life revolve around this? I'll be honest with you. I wish there was four or five Sundays in every week. I, I could do this all day, every day. I love church. I love church. And we've got we've to make a choice today. There, there are people in, the, in this house now that wrestle with the choice that you have to make. Will I, will I sell out? There's people filled with the Holy Ghost that struggle with choices of selling out to God. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want the blood applied to my life, but I don't quite want to go that far. I don't want to have to engulf myself and be a prayer warrior, Brother Gibson. I don't want to, I want to serve God from over here. 
And what God is calling forth now more than ever in these last days is for a church, a generation, a group of people that will say, Lord, I don't know what it is that you would have us do. But we've made a choice and a purpose in our mind that we stand here ready. We may not see the way to do it. We may not understand the way to do it. But we have been persuaded that you would be by our side and show us. Can we lift our hands today as these musicians begin to sing? As they begin to lead us to the throne? I wonder if you would say, Lord, I've made a choice. I want to make that choice today to purpose in my heart and in my mind. Let's worship him, Lord. Let's worship him, church. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.